Hey guys, what's up? It is week 65. I'm going to start this out with a kind of, not necessarily a review, but a movie I want to talk about is The Hornet's uh, Disciple and the Scar She Left. Uh, yeah, I was talking about this uh, last week or the week before about the uh, Indiegogo fiasco that happened. But uh, I know Dustin Mills, who's the director, and uh, he um, uh, has a Patreon and he had a certain amount, so he released it to the public to watch for a weekend. I uh, jumped right on it to check it out. I was involved with the first one, and this is a sequel to the second one, so it's really not really a review. I'm definitely biased. And this is a meta-sequel, so everything that took place in the first one is part of a movie, kind of like Human Centipede 1 and 2, how that deal works. So this is a strange movie. Uh, if you guys know Dustin Mills' work, you guys know he's done tons of stuff, tons and tons of stuff. I'm not going to rattle the names off again. But uh, I like the idea that this one's meta. Sometimes it works, you know. Wes Craven kind of made it popular, Kevin Williamson, with Scream. Uh, and, uh, you know, I really like The Human Centipede 2 myself. So I like this style right away. It's basically about uh, a movie obsessed, somebody obsessed with the first movie, and uh, they basically start to kill people and make money through means the way they did in the original movie. And uh, it shows a lot of psychology of the killer and, uh, you know, how they're affected by certain things. And I really, really enjoyed it. It has two uh, great performances by the leads, uh, Ronnie Jonah and uh, Anita Lupa. Uh, they both appear in other Dustin Mills movies. Uh, and um, I think uh, Anita appears in um, some Henrik Kodo movies. Uh, they're both really good. Um, there's some small details in this movie that really make it work, and there's a lot of callbacks to the original. So if you're a fan of the original, you can see where the uh, um, Ronnie Jonah's character is developing all these weird uh, tics and stuff, and she's pulling dialogue right from the movies and acting like it's her own, and it's all a major head game. And it's very strange, and it has a lot of callbacks like music cues and whatnot from the the, the first film, uh, and I, I really enjoyed that. Um, the acting's all great from top to bottom, and he puts in these small details that really help with the characters. Like I said, uh, the character, I can't think of the um, the one who's victimized in the movie, but uh, small details, like uh, first time she had money, she's down on her luck, she's uh, you know, traveling, and she has no money. She orders a pizza, and she's going to leave uh, what she didn't eat, but she goes back and wraps it up. And I was just like, that's so sad, those small little details like that to add character. I think it really works. And uh, I know Dustin, I know he puts a lot of thought into things, and watching this, I, I really could tell. It's a very mean-spirited and cruel movie, and all around pretty depressing, but I, I really, really liked it. Uh, I don't know what that says about me. Like, I like extreme films when it seems like there's something to be said or there's something there, and I always feel like his extreme movies have that. I really like this one. I think it's some of his best work. I would recommend checking it out, or there's going to be another probably Kickstarter or some sort of campaign for it eventually. Uh, so if, if you're interested, check it out, and it's gonna, it has amazing cover art coming out. Uh, I'm kind of excited to see, hear the commentary and whatnot. And uh, like I said, I, was atta I, I knew the, uh, the first one pretty well, which is basically a story of a, a girl who kidnaps um women and men and tortures them for profit and that's essentially what you have here but it's a, like i said it's meta and uh it has all the things from the first one in there it's it's pretty unique and pretty cool and uh it also is a statement on like fandom and stuff like that but it's a really interesting movie and i think some of dustin's best work and i love the music cues and the music in there and whatnot and the shout outs to the original it's an improvement on the original too which is pretty cool hey what's up everybody my name is Wes Allen. I am the producer of Dustin Mills' next film, The, the Hornet's, Hornet's Disciple, Disciple and The Scar She Left. 
uh, sequel to Hornet Sting and the Hell It's Caused. So uh, the reason we're making this video is to let you guys know, in case you've been paying attention to Dustin's social media, you you now know that he's coming up on the end of doing some feature films, and this is one of the last ones, and we're pretty excited about it. Dustin, why don't you tell them a little bit about the movie? Yeah, uh, uh, Hornet's Disciple is the pseudo-meta sequel to um, Hornet Sting and the Hell It's Caused, Don't Mind the Dogs. Uh, we're in my living room, if you can't tell. <laughs> Uh, which is a movie I put out through my Crumple Shack Films label. It was kind of like a late night cable exploitation kind of thing. And as I usually do, I tried to give it a little more substance than that. So uh, this one is even, it's more polished than the first one. It's got a meta narrative where the, um, the main antagonist of the movie is a fan of the first movie. And uh, on top of just being like a cool, nasty exploitation film, it also has a lot of themes about fandom and um, the nature of underground horror, the nature mm -hmm. of online pornography. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things going on. I don't know if there's a message, but there's obsession. Yeah, we. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, yeah obsession. That's a, that's a good. That's one of the themes for sure. What you're looking at is essentially the pre-order for a physical copy of the film. This is the your opportunity to pre-order the movie. Um, for starters, you uh, anybody that pre-orders right away. You're gonna get uh, you're gonna get the social media shout-outs. Yeah. So we're gonna thank you online for for helping support this movie, pre-ordering your copy of it. So as some of you probably saw, while we were making the movie, we had kind of a concurrent marketing campaign going on with Snapchat and Tumblr, where the uh, killer in the movie was posting to social media. And uh, one of our tiers is that you get access to all of that, all the saved Snapchats, all the photos that were posted everything and that one's cool because you get it immediately the moment you donate we will send you the link to that folder and it's cool because if you think of it in the context of the movie because this is a meta storyline to the original film you're gonna see what this person did and, and there's gonna be content that's not in the movie yeah it's interesting there's content that isn't in the movie there's alternate takes from the movie so some of the the marketing stuff was recreations of scenes shot from a different perspective that aren't actually in the, the finished film. Yeah. You also will have the option to order a DVD copy. Yeah. If, you're, if you want the DVD, bam, you're going to get it. You got access to a Blu-ray copy. Yeah. Full HD Blu-ray with special features. We'll do exclusive artwork just for the campaign. So once that's gone, once the campaign's over, you'll never see that cover again, essentially. Right. We have a photo book, just like we did with the first film. There's a photo book of Rose's uh, photos that you see her taking in the movie mm -hmm. and some you don't see in the movie. Actually, a lot that you don't see in the movie. <laughs> we have a lot more uh, models this time around, so there's a lot more people in the book. And here's the other cool part. You can get a Blu-ray and you can get the copy of that photo book. Yeah. So just like the original one, you're going to have your own exclusive photo book that's essentially you're seeing into the world of, of, of this person. Uh, and then we're gonna, we've also got a special pre-order option. Yeah. Uh, this special pre-order option is going to allow you, you'll get a Blu-ray copy of the movie. Yep. You get the photo book. Mm -hmm. You get all the digital content. You get the social media shout out. You're also going to be one of four people that will be uh, credited in the credits as an associate producer to the movie. All for pre-ordering the movie. And that goes on every... Um every iteration of the movie online, so on IMDb, mm -hmm. um, posters, the back of the DVD case, everything uh, you get listed in the credits. What's cool about this is this movie has already been shot. 
Yes. Um, I'm editing right now. I'm about 70% done with the final edit, which means the turnaround is really, really fast. Yes. So we're going to start this. So you're seeing this today for the first time. 30 days from now, this campaign is going to end. So you're seeing this and May 3rd, the campaign ends. Fast turnaround. Movie's already shot. Almost yep. completely edited. Yep. We'll be shipping at the beginning of June. There you all, go. All the perks. And that's like guaranteed yes it's just like a it's just like a cool gnarly exploitation film the kind of stuff that doesn't really get made that much um especially not the sort of artistry we were reaching for no. when we made this this is this has a special look to it it has a it, it's a got a beautiful look a special feel to it and uh and again as dustin comes down to this end this this is a, a the end of a, a chapter in his filmmaking career and winding that down, this is one of those special last moments. And uh, this is going to be a great opportunity for you to be a part of that. Yeah. So uh, take a look at just down below. We have the perks listed. You, uh, you get those pre-orders in. We will get your names up on social media. We're going to get you all of that cool digital content from Snapchat. Because we, as we all know, Snapchat, it, it disappears. Yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, keep your eyes. Uh, yes. Keep your eyes on the campaign. We'll be posting uh, stills and trailers and stuff like that in the 30 days that it runs. Yep. So thank you for your support. Thank you for supporting Dustin's films. And we'll talk to you guys real soon. Okay. The next one here is from Severn Films, who's been knocking it out of the park lately. This is The Changeling. And let's let's uh, I'm going to say this. It's by Peter Maddock. It has George E. Scott, legendary actor George E. Scott. I had never seen this. It was filmed in Canada. And uh, it, it's supposedly one of the best ghost stories ever. And uh, the idea of a changeling is very strange in the first place, that kind of idea. And I, I've always been fascinated a little bit by that. But I'm not the biggest fan of ghost stories. I, I've seen some old ones and enjoyed them. But, uh, you know, I've always kind of never been gravitated towards ghost stories. And uh, this one I'd always heard good things. And I had the old DVD. I even imported a Japanese Blu-ray never got a chance to watch it. So I always had my eyes on it, and I always wanted to see it. So when I put this in, I was like, I uh, was pretty excited to check it out. And uh, it did not disappoint. This is one of the classiest horror movies. Or I get they, the, the producer doesn't like being called the horror movies on the commentary. But it's one of the classiest uh, supernatural movies I've seen in a very long time. And the plot of it, you know, has a lot of original elements for the time. You'll see it being ripped off all, tons of things. Like the seance and things like that in future movies. Even new, as, as new as stuff like Hereditary. It kind of feels like it's ripping off the changeling. But, yeah. This movie is so well made due to the performances, especially George C. Scott. He takes this kind of a, I don't want to say it, but B-grade material of a ghost story and makes it seem like A-list by his facial expressions. And it's so strange that you could see him play a character like he does in Dr. Strangelove and then play something like this. It's just night and day, completely different. And he does such a good job, like some such a comedic and such a tra tragic role. And it's so different. And it just, he doesn't seem like the same guy. He brings a lot of presence. He has tons of screen presence in here. Uh, it's essentially the story about a man who loses his family in tragic circumstances. He moves into an old mansion. He's a music teacher. Uh, so he can get some peace and quiet and study music. There's something wrong with the house. It has a deep, dark history, and this town seems to have a deep, dark history that it's in. And he starts to uncover some things, uh, that there was a death in this house, and uh, there's lots of cover-ups and strange things involving a changeling. And that's really cool, and that's pretty much the whole story. It brings him jumping around to places and discovering and doing some, you know, uh, you know, uh, studying and looking into things detective work uh with uh you know kind of a love interest of his not necessarily love interest it, it, it plays kind of like that to his extent but you know 
it's perfectly well made. It's perfectly well shot. I can't believe everything in here is sets. And that blew my mind. I thought this was an actual location. When I find out it was built, I'm like, oh, it's so perfect. The exteriors and the interiors are all built. And they look amazing. There's lots of great wide camera shots in here that uh, create great atmosphere. And, you know, composition is amazing. And framing is great. And it, it really sets up the scares. It's beautifully well made. It's beautifully well executed. It looks phenomenal on Blu-ray. Uh, there's some nice features on here with the commentary with uh, David Gregory moderates and it has the director who's still alive and the producer and they might be the last two standing from the movie so that's pretty cool. There's some interviews with uh, a set designer on here and the composer as well. So that's pretty cool as well. You learn uh, how they made the movie and whatnot. And it has like the creepy music box. It has so many elements that you'll see in other horror movies nowadays but it was done first and sometimes you'll watch these old movies and you'll have seen everything... <coughs> done in later films so for the, if you see something like this you can't appreciate it but this one is so well made and so well acted that you appreciate it anyways uh it's just a top-notch horror movie uh an adult horror movie too about adult things and it's just uh it, it dark in a way but not overly graphic for the sake of being graphic it's just as a dark subject matter and it involves politics and corruption and stuff like that so it's a all around the winner everywhere it's the changeling from Severn films with george c scott uh great movie great release that house is not fit to live in. No one's been able to live in it. It doesn't want people. She said she'd seen a boy. He, he was trying to come up through the floor, and he kept staring at her. What is it in that house, Claire? What is it doing? Why is it trying to reach me? Will you communicate with us? Will you speak to us? keep cutting to these high shots because I wanted to establish the presence of the ghost, you know. He goes through the house with the architect and they discover hidden behind a second story closet a secret door. We had to really create a facade with depth so we could have kind of little subtle things that you see through the skin of a house. George C. Scott can really take you to a place of agony. And as a director, Peter Medak really was able to bring something out in him that I'd never seen before. And welcome to the Locations featurette for Peter Medak's The Changeling. Almost all of The Changeling was shot on location in Canada. Working on scary movies, it's marvelous. I love it. I love it to pieces.
Okay, the next one here is from Arrow Films. This is, what have they done to our daughters, or your daughters? Sorry about that. Always a tongue twister on that. Uh, yeah, this was directed by Massimo Dallamano, who did, what have they done to Solange? And The Secret Life of Dorian Gray, which are the two I'm most familiar with. Uh, I actually really enjoyed those movies. What have you done to Solange? is probably one of my favorite giallo. Um, and uh, Secret Life of Dorian Gray is, it's a great movie. I love it. Super sleazy. Helmut Berger plays Dorian Gray. <coughs> but um, Herbert Lom's also in it completely unrelated but uh yeah i had loved solange for years and i had never seen this is the kind of like spiritual sequel to it i had never seen it there's a trilogy Schoolgirls in peril trilogy the last one is enigma rossi rossi and uh yeah so I, I waited all these years to finally watch this one and uh it's half jolly half police procedural or policio tetsi however they say it um so yeah we have that going for it again it opens up it's very dark, very, very uh, dark in this one. It opens up, you know, Massimo didn't hold back. And as it's not as graphic as what have they done to Salon, the subject matter is just as uh, dark and disgusting. Uh, you know, teenage prostitution rackets, things like that, uh, going all the way up to the top. Um, the lead actor in here, I can't think of his name, but he died young and when they were making Hands of Steel, but he pops up in uh, Suspicious Death uh, of a Minor, um, Hands of Steel, lots of Sergio Martino movies. He's really good in this. He's really top-notch. Um, yeah, and, uh, basically what happens here is they find this, uh, woman, this young girl, 15 years old, it looks like a apparent suicide, but as they do some digging, they realize that it couldn't have been, she was murdered, and she had just had sex, and they go in such graphic detail here, they talk about she has semen in all orifices of her body, and right then I'm like, oh, we're in, we're in this kind of movie. They're not going to pull their punches, and it doesn't. Uh, basically, it's these two the detective and the uh, assistant uh, district attorney uh, who's played by a woman. And I like what the statement about the woman: she's tough, and she doesn't really, she's not always in peril. She sticks up for herself. She's not, uh, you know, something where it's just like, exploited for sex and whatnot. And uh, it also adds this kind of element that she kind of can feels is even more sympathy towards the girls than the than the the men here, and. We start to dig deeper and we realize that these girls are being exploited by uh, certain people and there's a killer going around on a motorcycle with a big meat cleaver and a helmet. That look has been adapted to other movies too. They mention it too. Uh, the one they met, the couple they mentioned, which I have seen, are Night School and uh, Welcome to Spring Break by Umberto Lenzi. So we have that look going on and it's the first time I can think of that that look's ever been used. But yeah, it, it's well made. The score is, is phenomenal. It's uh, And they actually have an interview with the composer on here and uh, that one's very interesting. He talks about how he has to be in the right mindset to get the certain scores. If you want suspension, you da 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 da, and then he just goes through all these elaborate things. Guy's probably a genius. Uh, so that was nice to see on there. But uh, yeah, it's just got a dark subject matter. It's well executed. The ending's a little uh, speedy to me. And uh, I think it's kind of a little cheesy how uh, they discover where somebody is. But besides that, there's no complaints. When they actually do do the graphic stuff, it is pretty graphic. The gore, somebody's hand gets hit with the meat cleaver. And uh, there's also a scene in here which kind of... Uh, surprise me where somebody has to come in and identify a body and they take it that extra step where you're just like wow but uh i like how they get to a to b to c to figure out the crime i like it it's not uh dumbed down or anything like that uh, as far as subject matter or how it unfolds it's a nice release it looks pretty damn good there's some other stuff on here too i almost forgot the commentary on here with troy harworth which is the best part of all these releases if you get tim lucas or troy on there it's always top notch they're the two best in the business for me i like hearing their commentaries more than anyone else's they're just so well educated and and uh they just know everything and they obviously do their homework even before it so they're always on on point but uh yeah just a nice release on here really enjoyed seeing it there's also 
also an interview with a collaborator of uh, his and they of uh, Massimo because Massimo died fairly young, about in his uh, late fifties, early sixties. And uh, there's a collaborator on there, and they actually show him these inserts that they found, these uh, pornographic inserts, which were supposedly going to be used for this movie. And he starts talking. He's like, "Oh, that shot, that looks very much like a Massimo shot." So these could be actually inserts, and they include them on the disc. They never were put in any version uh, released anywhere. But uh, a great release of a pretty uh, damn good um, movie, to be honest. Uh, one that I put off for so long, and I'm finally glad that Arrow gave it the treatment it deserves. Let's get on with it. All right, Mr. Pilear, you listen to me. This girl didn't commit suicide. She was killed. And I suggest you cooperate with us now. My God, it's awful. And of course here, Talenti's wife insists on seeing the whole body. And it's sort of fitting, really, that this rather nasty character gets a nasty jolt like that. The tumultuous cultural climate propelled filmmakers to question the agencies of power in Italian society. This was most obvious in the Italian crime thriller, in which Danamano excelled. Seguido sempre il movimento delle mani del prete, che faceva praticamente solo accordi, faceva sempre montavo avevo la facoltà di montare come volevo io perché avevo tutto ma senza esagerare Okay, the next one here is from MVD Rewind. It is Shadow Builder with uh, Michael Rooker and um, uh, Kevin Zegers and Tony Todd. Uh, I put this in, and for years I had, I had the DVD. I had always heard about this movie, and uh, it was one of those ones that always passed me by. It was like the late 90s, 98, and uh, I'd always heard it was kind of crummy or had really bad CGI, and uh, only one of those is true. The CGI is not great. It's dated for the time. That's a bad time for CGI, to be honest. But uh, Shadow Builder, kind of in the vein of something like a Wishmaster, we have uh, this uh, gun-toting priest played by uh, Michael Rooker. Love Michael Rooker. And uh, it's super 90s, this movie. He opens up, he comes in to this uh, weird ritual, and he has these guns with laser sighting. And I'm just like, yes, this is awesome. And uh, he he's walking through all these dead bodies. And, and right away, I knew this movie was going to push the boundaries just a little bit for a kind of semi-mainstream, like indie, like a horror kind of level deal. And uh, right away, there's a dead woman laying there, and I notice her nipples are pierced. And I think there's Bush, too. And I was just like, wow, that's kind of surprising. There's a dead naked guy hanging up. I was like, oh, this is a little bit more uh, ballsy than I expected. So as I watch, a couple of people get shot. These guys were performing a ritual. 
and uh, they brought back this demon called the Shadow Builder. Uh, this demon uh, is after this young boy who is supposedly um, some sort of blessed child, and he needs him to kind of uh, be reborn into this world. We've heard these kind of plots before, but what's cool is the uh, creature kind of goes through shadows, and it needs to collect so many souls before it's powerful enough to before it can kill the boy. And it's going to this small town, and it starts to corrupt this small town through shadows and getting into people and turning them evil. And the whole town kind of goes crazy. I love that kind of stuff. The CGI is a little bit crummy, but it is trying, and it is trying to be something original and different, and I, I can easily forgive it. Tony Todd in the movie plays this crazy bum who collects all the lights, so you know that's going to come in. Uh, Michael Rooker turns in a good performance, as he always does, and uh, Rooker's an underrated guy. Always probably one of my favorite actors, still working, still alive today. But uh, yeah, it, it's a fun movie. Kevin Zegers is a little kid in it. He would go on to be in a Dawn of the Dead remake, Wrong Turn. He's in a lot of, a lot of movies. But uh, yeah, so that's pretty much the plot of the movie. There's some fun execution. There's some moments of, you know, people turning on each other. I like the town going crazy. Um, there's a couple moments of, like, kind of cool scares and whatnot. It's a solid movie that you would have probably caught on, like, television as a kid and, and watched a bit of it and enjoyed it and have fond memories of it. Um, they did a pretty decent job on the release. It looks all right. There's some dark spots. There's no subtitles, which kind of bothered me because I thought the sound levels were a little low on the on the uh, release itself. But besides that, there's no complaints. There's interviews with uh, some of the people involved, Tony Todd uh, and um, who else is on here? The guy who played the Shadow Builder and the director, which was kind of nice, and the writer. And there's also a commentary on here. Um, it's an interesting movie. I never read the Bram Stoker's original novel that it's based off of, but uh, I, I like the monster, and I like how he's kind of caught in the shadows and kept in the shadows, even if the CGI is dated. It's a cool concept. And uh, back in uh, that time, they were doing, they were trying to at least create a little few different monsters here and there. And it was after Scream, so you got to give it up for them even making a monster movie after Scream during that time. But uh, it's it's fairly enjoyable and uh, pretty cool and unique. You know, I liked it better than most people I think would. I love monster movies. I'm I'm a sucker for monster movies. I'm a sucker where towns go crazy and that small town feel. And there's some decent comedy moments in there too. They kind of paint the small town fairly well and do a pretty good job with it, to be honest. I, I liked it. I would give it a recommendation. It's fun. It's cool stuff. Who are you? Stay back. <laughs> it is deadly. Insatiable. <laughs> it is real. And only one man. I'm here to take you back. Dares to stand in its way. Praise be the Lord, my strength, who teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight.
The next one I watched on Amazon uh, Prime Streaming. It is by Jason Kaufman. Uh, Jason Kaufman writes for Daily Grindhouse. He's a big supporter of independent movies, and he made one himself, a feature length called House Sitters. Uh, this is short. This is sweet. The man is smart. He knows indie movies, and he knows the, be the you have a better chance of making a successful one, a good one, if it is short, an entertaining one. This movie runs about an hour and two minutes. It follows this group of people, uh, this, this duo, I'll say, uh, that uh, are paid to house it. One's a drug dealer on the side, and that's essentially the story. They go into this house. They're left a platinum uh, credit card, and they're told that uh, it's a nice house. They can do whatever they want. They can order whatever they want, but pretty soon they find a pentagram in the basement, and there's a little creature that's going around killing them, a little creature made by Dustin Mills. I am very familiar with Little Creatures made by Dustin Mills as uh, you know, I've used some of his before in uh, Halloween Spookies. But <laughs> yeah. So that's the basic setup of the movie. Some of their friends come over, including uh, their um, homosexual friend, which is actually pretty funny. All the characters are very funny in this movie. All of them are, uh, um, I don't necessarily say they're likable. They kind of sell out at the drop of the dime, a lot of them. But they're funny. They're witty. They do goofy things. They feel real, especially the two leads are very well acted. And one of the characters that comes in later, I can't remember his name. Dan, I think it is. He's very hilarious and very well acted as well. They're all fairly well acted. But uh, there's a pizza guy that comes in and right when they find out right when they get in the house they are trapped in the house because this little creature is familiar to some demon and it needs to uh, basically have a sacrifice to um come back into this world but that's a, like the setup that's the plot there is some weird kind of crazy stuff with the time continuum going on um you know uh, the the like technical aspects aren't perfect it is the first movie it is low budget but, uh, you know, for the most part, there's no complaints for me. I like indie movies um, and this level. And this one pretty much delivers the goods. The special effects aren't really there. I mean, the little creature's fun, but the, there's just blood kind of tossed on people. No real complaints there. But uh, the ending, had, I laughed out loud a lot. And you don't usually do that by yourself. I was like, man, this is so funny. And uh, I love his statements on kind of the end. How, <laughs> did you just assume I'm evil because I'm a demon? All that plays into how, how people are nowadays. And it's just, it's a good uh, comment, a social comment on that stuff. Just had me laughing quite a bit. Um, love the character of the demon at the end. Brilliant. Uh, you know I was serious about ordering Korean food, right? It's just so brilliant, so funny. <laughs> it's I'd like it if there's a if there's a physical release, I'll have to buy myself a copy. Good stuff, uh, Jason. I, I'd like to see some more. Uh, keep up the good work, and uh, thanks for supporting the indie movie scene um, and making a good indie movie yourself. It's really fun. If you guys have Amazon Prime, check it out. You got nothing to lose. It's an hour and two minutes, and if you don't laugh once, I'll be surprised. So, there's the drums, and the workout equipment, then there's... Okay, wait, wait, where are you going? I didn't just bring the porn. <laughs> I think it's a spell book. They're still moving. I can keep hitting them. This is just weed, right? Yeah, man. We'll go through your medicine cabinet. What is going on? It's called Rubber Dolls. It's a compilation of amateur BDSM. And why? Oh, this is so spontaneous. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. 
I can't believe this is happening. Me either. Oh yeah, I know you would. No way, not even with a condom. Oh my god, it's a platinum card. I know. I never thought I'd see one of these in real life. I know. Okay guys, we're gonna hop into the VHS Voyage. This one, I do not have an actual copy of. It was made in 89, or 90, 90. It is Blood Games. Yes, Blood Games. I've been wanting to watch this one forever. But I finally grabbed it off the shelf. I was like, now is the time to watch Blood Games. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I love this movie. I adore this movie. This is trash cinema at its finest. Late 80s, early 90s. It feels so 80s. It's so trashy. It's so like what I grew up watching all the time on television and stuff like that. I was born in 86. So I just, this movie just spoke to me on a whole new who level. It's basically Hicks versus Chicks. Um, you know, Hicksploitation, one of my favorite genres. We have this girl, a baseball team that uh, is, you know, in short skirts and tight uh, shirts and, uh, <laughs> They basically have this game, this pickup game, where they're betting money, like hard times, like pickup fights or something. They're betting money, and uh, they play this, uh, these good old boys, and uh, the, 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 the lead guy on that team's dad is an animal. Played by the cameraman from Hellraiser 3, Doc, which is kind of weird. But uh, yeah, and uh, basically, they, the girls, they, they smash them, and this upsets the rednecks. They go attack them. Some people end up dead. And what we have here is a uh, hunt them and pick them down in the woods movie where the girls have to defend themselves. And of course they fight back. This is directed by a woman named Tanya Ro Rosenberg, Rosenthal, something like that. And, uh, you know, it's a slow motion like peck and paw. There's, there's lots of crazy, uh, there's some nudity, some skin, and then there's lots of stupid, stupid men getting what they deserve. I love the hell out of it. It made me laugh. It was enjoyable. There's comic relief in there. Uh, probably in proper comic relief once buck flower and he's just a sleazy piece of crap and he's really dumb and he's funny but even though he's sleazy trashy uh love buck flower you guys know that but uh one of my all-time favorite parts of this movie they use the bats too they use the bats so there's some baseball puns in here love that and uh i love the i love the whole stalking people getting picked off on both sides war between two clans like you know hills have eyes or blood games i really like that kind of stuff but uh one thing that i absolutely adore here is uh i've been seeing this guy pop up everywhere there's an actor like you guys don't realize he's in your brain in several different roles and then when you find out it's all the same character or the same actor you're like oh wow it's gregory what is his name cummings gregory something like that but uh the the main kind of a uh, guy this saw this baseball team is this angry like rapey piece of crap but he's so intense and so funny roy roy uh what is his name roy loomis maybe and uh he's so great in this and he's actually the guy who would appear in hack a lantern as uh, the the uh, weightlifting metalhead, and as one of the goons in uh, Cliffhanger, go fetch Wonder Dog, and Luther, the dad, and it's always Sunny in Philadelphia. He always plays these roles, and he always sticks out in my memory. And recently, I put them all together. When I saw him, I was like, "Yes, man, this is so much fun." I really like this. I really highly recommend checking out Blood Games. It's got you know action. It's got. Um, TNA. It's got uh, cheap goons getting what they deserve. It's got Buck Flower. It's got uh, you know Luther from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Just a lot of fun. Love to see a Blu-ray release of this. This is one of my favorite ones I saw from the VHS Voyage. Um, you know, it reminds me of a goofier Hunter's Blood, which I also love. But yeah, 
great stuff. It's just awesome. A bunch of locals bet they could be the traveling all-girls baseball team. But this friendly game of baseball is about to go foul. When Babe and the Ball Girls beat the hometown boys, the only error they made was thinking they were all going home. I want justice. Now, their only game plan is staying alive. Hunt it down like animals. They've got to hit and run if they hope to survive. They came to town for a friendly game, but America's favorite pastime just turned deadly. Blood games. Batter up. Blood games. Now available on video cassette and laser disc. Blood games. Okay, the pick a movie was done by um, uh, James Grimmer, and uh, he always picks pretty decent stuff. He picked War Games. This is an MGM release. This is made in uh, 1962, as John Saxon, Robert Redford, Tom Skerritt in it, and it actually has um, from last week the one of the the guy who plays the American detective. Uh, he's in this as like a colonel, which kind of blew my mind. Um, but this is War Hunt. Yeah, this is a Korean horror, a war movie. And, you know, I don't think I've ever seen Korean war movies. And one thing I'll say is I didn't know that a lot of this uh, stuff was actually fought um, in um, trenches. I thought that was more a World War One thing. But, yeah, it's uh, you don't see that many Korean horror movies, uh, war movies, to be honest. I, for, I at least haven't. And uh, that close to the actual Korean conflict, 1962, shortly after. And uh, I didn't know it was in trench warfare. I thought that was more like a World War One thing. But, uh, yeah. This is one of Robert Redford's first roles, maybe his first. It says introducing, and this is uh, the movie starts off seeming fairly typical with some narration and whatnot. It comes in and out. It's a black and white movie, and uh, by the end, I was like, you know what? That was pretty ballsy. That was pretty uh, tragic and pretty sad. We follow this uh, small group of soldiers that are on pretty much uh, the front line. They go out on parole uh, on patrol every night. But John Saxon is uh, is a sociopath. He's weird. He's all by himself. He goes out at night and he kills and he kills for fun and he brings back intel. There's something wrong with him. He had taken under his wing a North Korean boy whose family was killed on accident innocent civilians and uh, he's taken him under the wing and it develops a strange relationship where he's trying to teach him to kill teach him to be a man but it feels really weird and Robert Redford's a kind of a fresh face around the area and he's he's seeing this and he's trying to stop this uh, you know this um, awful teaching for this kid and he tells him that when this war's over and it will end you're going gonna have to go to orphanage yada yada and he tells John Saxon that and there's this big turmoil and Saxon's scary in this this is an early role for Saxon. He's intense. He's scary. He's like beefy and he's got these intimidating dead eyes and he's just a zombie. But there's some stuff in here that uh, it feels like an anti-war movie. And um, there's a couple moments uh, that it feels like uh, some scenes from Big Red One, uh, if anybody's ever seen that, where the war is kind of a, it's over in the beginning and something happens where it's announced that it's over and he doesn't know. 
I don't want to spoil too much, but there's a scene like that in here, which is kind of really depressing. And uh, you get to know a lot of the characters because it just sticks with about five or six of the guys. And uh, it's it's uh, the kind of stuff that shows what war can do to a person, a certain person. And uh, some people, were maybe they're just not right when they go in and just the things that happen to them. It's a very unique movie and it, it's very uh, downbeat and pretty sad and... And uh, the ending is just, it's got a lot of guts, especially for 1962. It's a really good movie, to be honest. There's no features on the disc. It looks okay. It is in widescreen. It's great performance by John Saxon in here. It's not, it's not tremendously, um, it, it's one of those dead, dead performances. Like, he's, there's nothing inside this person. And uh, that's kind of unique for John Saxon for me. I, uh, Robert Redford, you know, it's like, is one of his first roles. Um, and Tom Skerritt was nice to see. He kind of plays this uh, kind of a southern farmer kind of guy and I, I enjoyed seeing that but there's just some really sad things in here and it goes by pretty quick it's an hour and 23 minute movie it's very short but uh very powerful at the same time i'm glad that um uh james Grimmer picked it for me it's pretty cool stuff Since all quiet on the Western Front, has there been anything to equal the human quality, the heroic stature of War Hunt? A picture that looks into the face of war and sees real terror. The shockingly true drama of a compulsive killer. A tenderness so poignant, yet so frightening, you have never seen its like before. How do you kill a man with a knife? takes knowledge and practice. And afterwards, how do you feel? How do you feel? You got trouble, G.I.? Come on, I fix. Sweetheart, you know what my trouble is? I good, I fix. I can't even believe I'm here. seen your chicken, he'd have killed you. Why didn't you kill me? Hey. Hey, don't mess with that guy. Okay, guys, let's do the pick-a-movie. If you ever want to be entered, just leave a comment on YouTube, leave a comment on Screaming Toilet, leave a comment on Facebook, send me a message, you'll be entered. James Murphy won last week. I still haven't heard from you. And uh, if I don't hear from you soon, I'm just going to bump this guy ahead and do your review later. Uh, you'll stay in the bag until you're drawn, guys. So keep in mind, if you've entered once, don't enter again until you're drawn. Who do we got? Nick. 
And my guess is this is Nick Mua. There you go, buddy. I know you've won before. Congrats. Let me know what you want me to watch. Let's hop into the questions. Mike Mallory, Dave, if they remake Rabid Dogs again, will you star in the George Eastman role? I'm not big enough to be George Eastman, but I can try. George Eastman Jr. Uh, the M. Brown 80. My question is, uh, good old game of uh, F, Mary, and Kill. We all know what the F stands for. Barbara Back, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Leanna Quigley. I know a bit ridiculous a question, but fun. Ooh. I'm going to have to... I don't know if I want to marry Jamie Lee Curtis, Leanna Quigley. I know that Barbara Bach's getting killed. I'm sorry. Nothing personal. But uh, Leanna, I actually met uh, on the set of Hunters, and she was super sweet and nice. And I also got her autograph at Wasteland once. So I guess I'll have to... But Jamie Lee Curtis probably got a lot more money. I'll marry Jamie Lee Curtis. And uh, F. Leanna Quigley and Barbara Bach. I'm sorry. Eh. Nick Moore, if they remade Night of the Living Dead yet again, would you play a zombie in it? Absolutely not. Unless George Romero's family was getting money for it, or the producers in the movie, the original producers, or Tom Savini was directing it. If someone involved with George Romero was making it, yes, I would. If money was going to George Romero, yes, I would. But there's so many horror fans out there that are like, oh, I love Night of the Living Dead. It's my favorite movie. And then they go remake it. It's public domain, and they don't give any profit to Romero, any money to anything. They don't even understand. So you're not a big fan of George, uh, Night of the Living Dead. You don't respect Night of the Living Dead. You just want to make money off its name. So uh, go fuck yourself. But sorry, I get a little touchy. If one of your friends... I mean, if you're giving money to the Romero estate or something like that, or somebody that's involved with the movie, but I just so weird. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. I mean, if you're making like a high school musical or something, it doesn't matter. I mean, you're not making money off it. That's fine. That's great. That's cool. But, you know, like actually going out and making a movie, a remake of the thing. If one of your friends became a pod person or a thing, would you catch on? Oh, maybe. Depends which friend. How would you explain Trump to a delegation of visiting aliens? Are you trying to get me in trouble? Uh, huh. What would I say? <laughs> uh, anything's possible in America, right? I guess that's what I'd say. Let's hop into the update, guys. Okay, guys, let's get into this update. First, and we have from, uh, is it Scorpion? The uh, reissue of Unseen. You know, I don't know if I've ever watched the whole thing here. But it has Barbara Bach, which you guys will remember from the Q&A. But uh, yeah, Sid Elastic's in it too. There he is from One Public Cuckoo's Nest, Carrie, Alligator. Uh, you know, I haven't watched this whole thing, I don't think. I've seen, I think I've seen it years ago, but uh, couldn't pass it up. Have the, have the Blu-ray now. I've updated another Blu-ray. We have Brute Core, or yeah. Alex Rocco, Code Red one. Not seen it. Looks pretty exploitative. Was well, a good price on, uh, what was that site? Dark, uh, Dark Force. We have Rendell, which I think is a French uh, superhero movie. Four bucks, Hamilton books, Blu-ray. Couldn't pass it up. We have uh, Fangs of the Living Dead by the director of Tombs of the Blind Dead. Again, a nice uh, Hamilton books buy. Good price on it. Couldn't pass that up. By any Spanish or Italian horror movie, old school. Night of the Seagulls. This is uh, what is the third or fourth uh, Blind Dead uh, movie. Um, I don't know if the other ones are going to get a Blu-ray release, but uh, this was a good price on Hamilton Books. 
Alienator from Fred Old Ray. I don't know. I bought this for ten dollars. That's the price I was willing to pay. That's the price they got. That's what they got for it. But uh, Jan Michael Vincent's in it. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Uh, Dance Macabre with Robert England. I have a. Uh, this is supposed to be like a companion piece to his Fan of the Opera, which Scream also did. I need that one still. But uh, yeah, heard mixed things on that one. We have Dracula has risen from the grave from uh, Hammer one. I think this is what the third or the fourth of the Hammer series. This disc is made in Mexico apparently on the back, but yep, these are these are fun. This then we have Frankenstein must be destroyed. Uh, one of the uh, Frankenstein's from the Hammer series was there eight eight Frankenstein's or something like that. Uh, seven in this series and then like two more. One TV one and like an unrelated remake of the first one. I don't know. I don't think I've seen this Frankenstein. I think I've seen the first one of the Hammer ones. I've seen all the Draculas though. Then we have Requiem for a Dream. Classic movie. I didn't. It was good price on it. Director's cut. Not actually seen this in years. It's not a movie I would revisit that much. But uh, Jared Leto, Ellen Burson, Marlon Wayans, Jennifer Connelly. Great movie about addiction. Hell Ride. Again, the price was right. I've put off years buying this. It's one of the only Dimension Extremes when it came out that I didn't have, that I didn't buy. But, yeah, good price on it. Then we have Bad Day for the Cut. Good price on this at Best Buy. Not seen it. Well go. I think it's a revenge movie. Big on revenge movies, so I grabbed it. Then we have The Perfect Weapon from Olive Films. Uh, Jeff Speakman. Uh, this is an action hero I'm not too familiar with. I know he's got a cult following. I heard The Perfect Weapon's pretty cool. Got it for a good price. So, yeah, why not? I could do worse, I'm sure of it. Then we last from Olives, Meteor Man. I haven't seen this as a kid, since I was a kid. But I'm ready to watch some Goalie Lords. Remember the Goalie Lords, guys? Uh, Robert Townsend, he's Meteor Man. Uh, Tom Lister's in it. Bill Cosby's in it, unfortunately. But uh, that's pretty much all I remember from Meteor Man. Um, but uh, thank you guys. Back to the video. Hope you guys enjoyed the update. Hope you enjoyed the video. Thank you very much for watching. And you guys, have a good one. Mm.